The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, your sports daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, December 15th, and that can mean only one thing. Well, two things, actually. Christmas, 10 days away. Very exciting. But more importantly, it's our Brady Quinn football show! Pew, pew, pew! Pew, 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 pew! What's up, Brady? Not much. You know, just getting ready for <laughs> Christmas. Uh, it's that time of year, so, yeah. You know what I love about Christmas is that um, every year for the past roughly 10 years, Pete Prisco complains. It tells me that I he hears, like about early in December, he tells me he hears the office buzz is that I'm going to have to work all day on Christmas, even though I never work on Christmas. And I, I would work on Christmas. Actually, I take that back. You and I have worked on like Christmas Eve. I would work on Christmas. I'm working this to. Christmas. What's that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working this Christmas. I already signed up for it. I'll be working Christmas afternoon, pre and halftime. Yeah. Um, and, and, and look, I think it's a little different for people when you've got a lot going on on a holiday sure. like that, but I love football. I love where I work. So I have no problem talking exactly. ball on Christmas day. That was really just me segueing into like a little Pete Briscoe bash session. But, um, Oh, by the way, are you going to, uh, are you going to be out in, uh, San Diego for the holiday bowl? I'm not. So <sighs> we only have, um, we only have one bowl game. Yeah. The, holiday the other bowl. network I work for. Fox, yeah, and we they, we don't even send a crew there. We just send um, we'll send our game crew. Oh, it's Gus, we'll send, it's Gus uh, Edwards and Joel Clatt are going, and Jenny Taft, I think. Yes, Gus Johnson, Joel Clatt. It's called it's called um, it's called then, bringing out the A team for an A game. You know who's playing yes, at the Holiday Bowl? Correct. Yes. Yes, of course. And that's why that's why I figured you're asking. Yes. <laughs> well, I was going to see if you could. Uh, you know. I was gonna. I, I I actually was gonna try. We we're gonna try to go. Tickets are like seventeen hundred dollars to fly out there. No thanks. I wait till I was gonna say the tickets to the game aren't that expensive. No, no, but no, the no. plane tickets might be. Plane yeah. tickets are expensive. Yes. Uh, anywho, they should be giving away tickets with the plane tickets. Like, hey, if you're coming out here from you, Raleigh, like we'll just we'll give you Raleigh. Are you Brian Kelly now? My family. Brian Kelly. Raleigh. Now, now I'm working on my dance moves. I'm not so, sure if you saw that, but like to a little Garth Brooks to one of the commitments, I was just working on my dance moves. You were, or was that wait, Brian Kelly was doing that? Oh, the was it the yeah, the, yeah. the video? Yeah. Well, I saw the the LSU video. Then there was like a Notre Dame video floating around. I'd forgotten about, but he's wearing a mask and he's like coming in doing a little. The guy's just a weirdo, very fraudulent. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some football. We start with Urban Meyer. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot to ask you about Pete Prisco. So. Would you like to, and you don't have to, 
um, when you were, when you were discussing on your Fox Sports Radio show with uh, you were mentioning that that Urban Meyer, you think Urban Meyer, and you said this on this show before, so it's sort of I don't want to make you yeah. repeat it. Basically, I just want you to throw Pete Prisco under the bus and and like bash Prisco uh, for being unable, despite working for the Jaguars organization. He works for the team. He gets paid by the team, and he can't get the coach for an interview. What does that say about his journalistic integrity and ability? I, I think in general, what I talked about on the radio show is the media never gave Urban Meyer a chance when he got hired in Jacksonville. Correct. And and in all fairness, I think they treated Cliff Kingsbury a very similar fashion. Um, I don't know that they've treated Matt Rule that way because I think Matt Rule probably has been, had better rapport de- demeanor maybe with the media, even though it's not like Cliff Kingsbury ever did anything wrong with the media. So the way I look at it is I, I kind of sit there and say to myself, I, 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 don't know, I don't get why. Maybe because he's been so successful and he's one of those polarizing figures coming from college um, or because of his past and some of the things that have been there. I, I think it's, it's almost made him – it's kind of open hunting season for a lot of people in the media. And I don't think they ever really gave him a shot to begin with. And then because of maybe how they've tried to, you know, keep everything under reps the first year, whether it's access to him, access to Trevor Lawrence, all that, it only makes it more frustrating. I think for a lot of journalists out there. So my, my whole thing is I, I think by and large, and this isn't like just because I worked with them for two years or I, or I know Coach Meyer. This is more me objectively looking at the media and saying, why does the media handle guys coming from the college level like this, where they don't want to give them a chance and they just want to say, oh, they can be great down there like Nick Saban, but they're going to end up just like Nick Saban. They're not going to be able to make it work. I don't know, man. Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's doing pretty well. I mean, Bill Belichick said he'd give him the vote for coach of the year right now. Now, granted, they just lost this past Monday night, but I, I just, I find it hilarious that, you know, the media kind of takes that approach. And I think it's more because of the lack of maybe relationship they have with some of those coaches. Um, you know, maybe they feel like the games are too different, even though I, I think nowadays as a head coach at the end or a college level, you probably have more to deal with and it's harder to, to deal with all the constant change with whether it's NIL transfer portal, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think th- there's a lot of things that play into like being able to manage and coach at that level that you could say are kind of taken off your plate at the next level. If you're with the right organization, if you've got a roster that doesn't need rebuilt, which clearly the Jacksonville Jaguars have pieces, but not everything they need to be successful this year. So my whole comment was just by and large, I think the media is never going to look itself in the mirror and be accountable for the way it's handled things, Duh. but they haven't been fair or even open to any of it. It's like, they're always looking for a misstep. And then try to hammer down on anything that or any decision that Urban Meyer makes. All right, so I will I will give you my perspective. I think that your point is, I think people probably you know generally speaking, when you make a point like that in defense of a guy like Urban Meyer with the Jaguars losing and all the dumb stuff that's happened with the Jacksonville franchise this year and Urban off the field too, like people are in, inherently going to respond to like Brady Quinn has weird take on Urban Meyer. But I do think that your take is accurate because. So when Urban got hired, I am not an Urban Meyer fan. Like, I've never been an Urban Meyer fan. And that's fine. You know, don't, don't have to be. That's nothing. I mean, at any rate, when he got hired, my initial reaction was, I like, I, I thought, I think this is going to go poorly. But he's won everywhere he's been. He was getting Trevor Lawrence. He had, you know, full support of the Jacksonville uh, ownership. You know, he basically got the run of everything and had, right. you know, money to spend and lots of draft picks. So my, I was cautious about, like thrashing urban and predicting total failure coming into this season because I didn't want to look like an idiot. 
Now, the second that he did something dumb and the team kept losing, like they lose this Houston week one and all you know, this stuff starts happening, I was more than willing to pounce on Urban because of a preconceived bias that I had against him. So, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm, and I think that that is something that happens with these college coaches. People, For sure. Well, it, it happens with any coach. Sure. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, let's be real. Like, it, like what's, you know, what's happened now in the media is people have allowed their personal feelings and emotions to basically get in the way of, of instead of like reporting, now they're just almost giving like opinion. Like everything's like an op-ed piece. And you're yes. like, dude, well, let's just see if it works. Like, let me ask you this. What were the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars actually were good? Like sustainably good. Uh, never, really. Tom I mean, pro- probably when they first came out as an expansion team, right? Yeah. And and so obviously if you want to try to change, so you're not literally the definition of insanity, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result, you got to do something different. So Shad Khan hires a college coach. He's never coached the ranks before. He's going to learn over the process, especially the first year, what to do, what not to do. And, and even over the course of maybe a couple of years, you know, that process of being a head coach in the NFL, what works, what doesn't work. It, it is different, but he's still going to learn too. And let's, let's be honest as well as with the previous jobs that Urban Myers had, you know, he took over Florida. We took over Ohio State. It wasn't like the cupboard was bare. No. I mean, Jim Tressel didn't really get fired because he wasn't winning enough games or beating Michigan. No, he got, he got it, fired because they were like players were selling. Yeah, like, yeah, tattoos and stuff. Now yeah. players are getting the tattoos for free and getting paid. Yeah. And then Jim Tressel probably is still their head coach if yep. NIL was you know, here back then. You, know, you go back to Florida, that was a loaded roster. When you follow Ron Zook, who's regardless one of the better recruiters there is, it's one of the reasons why he wanted to take that team and that opportunity because of how loaded that roster was. That's, so, that's, well, I, I, just really quickly on that, that's always been one thing that I, I think that Urban Meyer doesn't get enough credit for is job selection. Right. Like he he identified he has done this three times, I think. And maybe, maybe I don't, you know, I guess he identified it with Bowling Green or whatever. But when, like you say, when he went to Ohio State, when he went to Florida, and even when he went to Jacksonville, like the talent that they had or the the malleability of the roster in all three spots and the ability to win fairly early or at least to have a key important pieces like Trevor Lawrence, this guy knows how to pick a job. Right. And and I think he knows how to manage that too, right? Now, this is an entirely different scenario. Yes. Like people always say at the NFL level, talent's equated. Well, yeah, it's equated. Everyone's got talent, but there are some rosters that have more talent than others. There are some rosters that can withstand some injuries because they have depth and they've either drafted well, developed well, or signed, you know, as far as free agents and, and all that's hit. And they've, and they've stayed healthy in some cases. That's not the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, let's be real. So he came into this season with the worst team in the league that won a game a year ago. He's already doubled their win total from a year ago. They might win maybe one more, whatever the case is here, here or there. But there's going to be some growing pains. I think from a culture standpoint there in Jacksonville, I mean, anytime you're trying to change the culture of a team, of an organization, it's going to be uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. In order to get better, it's uncomfortable. Like when people talk about like getting stronger, like how do you get stronger when you work out? You are literally tearing down your muscle tissue so it builds back up stronger. That's how you get stronger. And so with that, they've got to tear down a lot of what's been in Jacksonville since, you know, essentially that organization first started. Yeah. And, and I think that's the difficulty is people can't wrap their head around the fact that it wasn't like he was taking this job and expecting to win right away. Like that might have been someone in the back of his mind hoping that'd be the case. 
but I think everyone who looked at that situation realistic was like, it's going to be probably three years yeah. before we get a sense of where this is at. And, yeah, and that's I mean, really the next question is, 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 is he willing to be patient enough? Because I think Shad Khan knows what he signed up for. And I think, you know, will there be some staff changes? Probably, you know, because they don't want to be, have the type of hard coaching that comes along with the lack of success in, in Coach Meyer. But that's fine. Like, he'll find guys who are suited for what he's looking for, and they'll continue to build on the roster and move forward. I, I don't think that Shad Khan's going to fire him, and I don't think he's just going to give up after one season. It just it, it doesn't strike me as that way. I think he's very invested into Jacksonville. Even the new facility and all that they're building, you know, there was a rumor someone had put out that he had invested into the facility as well, which isn't necessarily uncommon. It happens a lot of times at the college level where you'll get a coach who maybe gets an extension, but he takes a portion of that money – and he puts it into whatever that new you know, facility or building is. So that's not uncommon. And, and I believe that's been the case there in Jacksonville. So he has invested in there to see this thing through and try to build back up you know, this organization to something better than what it's been. Yeah, I, I think with Urban, and I agree that I don't think Shad Khan will fire him because you know, you're know 14, 14 weeks into the season or whatever. I mean, that's, that is outrageous to go – you know, by all accounts, Shad Khan has been quasi obsessed with getting Urban Meyer or someone like Urban Meyer, you know, a big name to come to Jacksonville to coach his team to, you know, drag this franchise that, I mean, really has, you know, as you point out, since they start, I mean, since Tom Coughlin left, like, I mean, maybe Jack Del Rio, give Jack Del Rio a little credit, but I mean, by and large, they've had a blip on the radar in 2017, but have been one of the worst franchises in the NFL for like basically a decade. And, maybe two decades at any rate, the, you know, I think, I think he, you know, he's invested in urban. He wants urban to work out and urban's not walking away from $50 million or whatever he'd be giving up. If he left the Jaguars uh, early, you know, maybe there's a settlement situation and maybe, maybe that happens. If, if, uh, if shot Khan just feels there's just too much going on. I do think that urban's is surprised. Like, I don't remember him at Ohio state or at Florida, acting the way he acts in these post-game press conferences. It just, he just doesn't know how to deal with losing. I mean, is that like, like the Vrabel handshake? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Like he is so dejected, worn down. I think his quote this past week is like, losing will eat away your soul. Um, <laughs> I've been around him, man. Sure. It's all those things. And, and being around him in the sense of even what we were trying to build at Fox in regards to the pregame show and everything else, it was like, there's some, I mean, it's TV and this is unheard of, but there are some like tough meetings, some like tough moments. But like, I, I'm not going to say I know exactly what it's like to be in that coaches meeting, but I remember one time we got done with the show and we walked into the avocado room and he went off. Like he was like, that's not like, that's not, you know, I don't mean I'm on TV that much, but that's not how that's supposed to end. Like, that's not how things are supposed to go. Like we need to have, a, I mean, he basically just went into whole coach mode. And, and really? I'm honest with you, I was I like turned around the liner. I go, this is awesome. I was like, that that's what you need. You need somebody who's not scared to speak up and say something when they feel like something's not right. And clearly, obviously, there's a lot of things that are going wrong in Jacksonville. And he's not bashful or afraid to say it. He expects to have success. He's had success everywhere he's been. And so, yeah, there's a certain degree of probably trying to learn how to take away some positives and some learning lessons to then, but still build from that. Right. I think sometimes you get coaches who only feel like you can build from winning. And in the NFL, that's not necessarily the case always yeah. because you're going to lose games. You know, you're going to have, you're going to have some good plays, some good games, 
where you end up coming out on the losing end and you have to be able to survive from that. Yeah. In the NFL, it's not, you can't take over. There are very few, there are some situations you could take over and win, but even think back to like Jimmy Johnson, you know, he takes over the Cowboys and you have to go into to quote 30 rock. You have to go into the crevasse. You have to go deeper and, and clear everything out and, and, and sort of fix everything before you can create a sustainable winning culture. And in college, you know, as you point out, I mean, he went under, he didn't lose a game his first year at Ohio state. That's not because he's an amazing tactician. It's because Ohio state was loaded with Jim Trestle's players. He lost nine games in seven years at Ohio state, nine games in seven years. I mean, of course. Yeah. Like it's in, and he lost 15 games in uh, uh, six years at Florida, including five in his final year. Like this, this sensation of, being the worst team in football is is brand spanking new to him. I mean, I think he lost well, he lost two games at Utah, six games at Bowling Green. The dude is 187-32 over his career in college, and now he's 2-11 and 11 as an NFL head coach. I mean, that is a, a new feeling for him. We, we talked about this, though, before the season. Correct. Like, this was going to be his biggest challenge, his greatest challenge. It was going to be learning how to deal with losing and then trying to be able to build from that. And, and, you know, that's the reality of what the NFL is right now for bad football teams. I just think with the salary cap, even as good of a situation as it was that he was walking into it, having Trevor Lawrence, you know, having another first round pick, like having all these things, that's great. But that only gets you so far, you know. And, and I think the other thing that stinks probably for them right now is, you know, they're at least in a division where Houston, I don't want to say it's a dumpster fire, but they're in, in a state of disarray a little bit. Yeah. But the Titans are solid and good. Like that's a well-established built team. Um, that's going to, you know, that's what's going to happen to you when you try to take on a team that has been playing and competing at a consistently high level. Like that was the difference of what we saw last week between those two teams. One that is just trying to figure out its way and figure out its identity of how to score points, what they can do well, and then playing a team that's like trying to compete to win an AFC championship. Like that was the difference between those two teams in that game. Yeah. Um, So I mean, I I agree with you. I don't think he gets 98%. 98% sure. I think he's back next year. Okay. Because anyone who's absolutely sure one way or another, I never trust them. Because well, there's no guarantees in life, right? Sean like, Khan's not 100% sure. Like, how? Like Sean Khan doesn't know what he wants to do. Like, how would anybody yeah. else know? But by, by the way, you know what kind of ticked me off, too, about the whole thing that happened, like, off the field and all that um, after the, uh, well, the Cincinnati game? It's like there's all these people who are so quick to run out and judge and all that, and then – they're doing something at the bar afterwards. It's like, I just, the hypocrisy of the media. Like, I've seen, by the way, like media members, like to their credit, they get after and party as hard as anyone. Thank you. Thank you. And, we appreciate that. And they like to have a good time. But we I'm do. just saying like, don't be throwing the first stone though. All right. <laughs> all you, I, I know some of y'all live in a glass house. I've seen some of the people out there in public. I'd be careful about that. You know? I, yeah, yeah that that's a fair point. And the other, now the other thing that's interesting, yeah, I think, the problem too, is no one's got the cameras on the media members. They got the cameras. Yeah, nobody on cares about players and coaches. Nobody cares about like a, a some middle aged chunkster who's out there like you know drunkenly gr- doing whatever he's doing in a bar. Oh, I mean, go see about- Pete Prisco after six beers. Yeah, go oh. see what that looks like. Oh, Pete Prisco after six Red Bull and vodkas. The guy's. Yeah. Just, I mean, he's he's like yeah, if there's a pole anywhere near the bar, he's probably dry humping it. I mean, like the guy's energy. You know, who Lord knows, we don't need to imagine pete in that situation but um my the, the media thing though i think is interesting because in college 
well, first of all, when you're winning, the media is like, ah, this guy's amazing. You know, like if you're winning somewhere, it doesn't matter. You know, and he, he again, he went nine and three with the Gators and 12 and 0 with Ohio State early. And I tend to think that especially those two um, sort of media, like, oh, I guess not organization, but like sort of the media cultures, both in Columbus and in, in um, Gainesville, are going to tend to lean a little more pro towards their teams. Whereas in Jacksonville and with really any NFL setup for the most part, you know, you're going to have, you're just going to get a lot more criticism, a lot more national attention, a lot more national criticism. I mean, do you, do you think that there's any chance, um, is there any chance that we see the media like sort of, cause I think the media does influence owners. And I just sort of wonder if that could potentially cause Shad Khan to say, all right, all right. Um, I think the media can influence owners in the NFL if you've got a weak owner. Yep. That's how I'd put it. I've been a part of organizations where you could tell they were manipulated or persuaded by the media, very reactive to it. Oh, yeah. And there's some who had thick skin and didn't really care. You know, they're a billionaire or multi-multi-millionaires, and they know that, you know, eventually this, this too shall pass. So I, I tend to think that Shad Khan will be – probably more patient about this. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know Shad Khan, but I think when you go through the history of this organization um, with him as an owner and just how patient he's been with coaches that have had bad win loss records or when it's looked ugly too for that team, um, he's still been patient through it. I, I think the biggest concern is, is if you lose Trevor Lawrence, like, yeah, he talked about the concern this past week of losing the locker room. That's real. It's, it's real when you've got a group of guys, especially like a young nucleus that you believe in, that no longer believe in you as a coach. Like, that's a concern. And so far, it seems like, you know, Trevor Lawrence has been supportive. He's, you know, continuing to kind of had his back and, and kind of talked about things in a very mature manner. And, and has handled it extremely well. You know, you got to have a lot of respect for how he's been handling the number one overall pick in a really, really tough situation. Um, but if that changes and if Shad Khan comes to Trevor Lawrence at some point, he's admitting that he loses his confidence in him. Then I think that's where you'd start to be concerned or there might be a change. Yeah. And I'd be interested to know how Trevor, cause Trevor Lawrence doesn't strike me. And I don't know. I don't know Trevor Lawrence at all, but just doesn't strike me as somebody who would throw his coach under the bus to his owner, unless it was severely frayed with that relationship. I, you know, I think, I, I, I think the greater concern is moving forward is you've got a staff that like, obviously these leaks that are coming out are from coaches on that staff. who feel like yeah. their job security isn't very strong heading into the off season. And those are the type of guys you just need to get out. You know, if they find out who it is, you know, move on from them in the heartbeat and, and there's no reason to keep them around because clearly they only have their best interest in mind, not the team's best interest. And and, they're, and like I said this earlier, I said they're looking to, for, a, for a life vest. They want to jump off the boat. Instead of bailing out water and try to keep that thing afloat, they want to jump out, have a life vest, try to swim to shore somewhere else. It's it's rats so, fleeing the, the sinking ship. It was a tale yeah. as old as time. Um, I do I do love the idea, by the way, of Urban being like, "Listen, everybody, I'm a winner, and you are all losers. You may you're my handpicked losers. That's right. I I sifted through all your resumes, and you're a bunch of losers, and that's why I hired you. It's like what." Are you, what are you? You know, he, he's not like that. And, I, and this is like that classic case of telephone where yeah. they're having a conversation in a staff meeting. Some dude leaks to the media that then gets leaked out again in there and it becomes something entirely different. Like, I, I think, you know, if there was a conversation with each individual member of that staff, and they're like, hey, why are you here? 
why you're a winner or like what makes like he's not calling you a loser by asking you why you're a winner or why you're here or justify like why you're here. I, I think he's trying to get to the root of like, hey, what do we do well as a staff? Ah. Like, wh- like what do we need to do well as a staff and to focus on so we can get the most out of our group and we get the most out of our team because clearly we're not doing that right now. You know, whatever the case is, like, that's the biggest thing I see when I'm watching film is it seems like they're just out there running plays. You know, like, that's how it feels at least. Yeah. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll look at Super Bowl odds. Who might present value to win the NFL championship, the professional football championship, as you have to say, you used to have to say before gambling was legal at Bushwood. Next. (laughs) The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'll tell you, the team that strikes my fancy right off the bat, we're looking at Super Bowl odds over at Caesars. The Buccaneers are the favorite. No, I I want you to say the team that I'm thinking of right now. The Buffalo Bills. Oh, God. No? Can you get over that? Not the Bills. The The Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Rams at plus 1,100. Yeah, I like that, too. I love the Rams. I was... I was heavy on the Rams on Monday night and I was very, it made my heart flutter to see potential future hall of famer, Matthew Stafford slanging that ball around on, uh, against that Cardinals defense. I was not heavy on them. I really thought after the first match ever in the season, it was just kind of a bad match for the Rams and they were going to have a hard time uh, with, you know, containing Kyler Murray, getting to Kyler Murray, um, Calamar, as some people call him. Calamar. 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 Calamar has got lots of family down in. He he didn't look healthy though. Uh uh. To that note, he didn't look like he was 100. But that being said, Aaron Donald looked healthy. Yes, he did. He looked like he had the red ass. But (laughs) I I I get the sense that like that's one of those games that just completely turns the momentum of that team. And without their best cornerback and starting tight end, like they just go on this war path and they start playing up to their capabilities. And, you know, I, I could see them, depending on how things work out, you know, making their way to the NFC Championship game. Like, they could be that hot team like Tampa was a year ago yeah. this late in the season when they start to turn it on. I, I agree with you. 11-1, to 1, you know, I mean, look, the reality is there are probably at most uh, – hmm, there's some interesting ones down the, down the way. But, I mean, the, look, there's going to be 14 teams in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, of those 14, I mean – I don't know. It's pretty wide open this year. I, I mean, not that I think that any the, team can make a run. I think the AFC is more wide open. If Kansas City or New England loses, and I say early, either obviously one, there's only going to be one one seed. So the other is going to be playing the wild card round. Like if one of those teams, the wild card round gets knocked out, then I'm kind of like, well, here we go. Like, let's see who makes it. 
Yeah. Um, that's, that's the side that I think is more interesting. Like to me in the NFC, I think the realistic competitors are Tampa, Green Bay, and LA. Like I I, I'm not really buying anyone else. I, I, I have a hard time. Bad, but... and, and this is not a, I'm not trying to bash Cliff Kingsbury or Kyler, Calamari. Um, we haven't seen either of them in the playoffs before. And that's going to be asking them to now likely win multiple, you know, you're going to win, probably win three games because right. they can still get the one seed, but I think it's a little less likely. Um, you're asking that was them to such win a big games. loss to your point. Like they needed that win for the division, for the one seed, everything. For and sort of their house. Gymnastics and by the way, too. they can't get it done at home. Like it's yeah. a problem for them this year. Like maybe they're better off being a wild card, you know. Honestly, maybe they're better off being a lower seed the way they played on the road this year. That 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 may actually you may actually have a uh, a point there. So the the Bucks are favored at five to one. Chiefs at six to one. The Packers seven to one. Patriots seven and a half to one. Cardinals nine. Rams eleven. Cowboys twelve. Bills fourteen. Uh, of those who are the teams that are under twenty to one. I mean, obviously, I like the Bucks. But, you know, you, you love the teams. I just don't think there's a ton of value at the top of that board. I would look at, I agree with you on the Rams, and then the Bills. Don't say the Buffalo. Don't say the Bills. Here's the, reality, here's the reality for the Bills. They can't run the football, and they can't stop the run. That's a problem in, in January and February. It's a problem in January, when you, especially when you're Buffalo. <laughs> like, if you have any aspirations <laughs> of playing a home game, or let's just say, you know, again, for example, depending on who you're playing in the AFC, like, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, all right, down in the 20 to 1 range. Titans 20, or so 20 to 1, Titans and Chargers, 30 to 1, Ravens, 49ers, 35 to 1, along with the Colts, Browns, 40 to 1, Bengals, 50 to 1, and then uh, really, I mean, I guess the Vikings, 80 to 1, you could technically include, but um, I think really that's the next crew that up to 50 to 1 with the Bengals. Does anybody, do you like any of the value there for a longer shot to potentially win the Super Bowl? Uh, it's, it's hard to like any of that. I mean, I, Baltimore is the first one that comes to mind, but now Lamar with the ankle sprain and not knowing how that division is going to shake out. I mean, I don't know if they get a wild card team. I if seen more might just have the division champ. That's it. I think when you look at the Ravens schedule and we talked about this on the recap show and maybe even on the other point, but it looks like they might miss the playoffs. If Lamar can't, if Lamar is unable to be Lamar and, and look, I mean, you know, the first instinct with Lamar is like, oh, his, his ankle's messed up. He's not going to be able to run. You know what else you can't do when your ankle's messed up? You can't pass the ball because you, be like, you, have to do, you can't shift the weight the way you want to. I mean, that's a problem. Yeah. And it's all, and his passing has been a bit of a problem this year, so it's not going to get any better. They have it's like, oh, he's got a hurt ankle. All of a sudden, he's just completing everything. It's like, no, it's actually <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's going to go the other way. Yeah. yeah. Um, the 49ers and the Colts at 35 to 1 sort of interest me. Now, I don't. I have bet, I have bets on the 49ers at 55 to 1 so I'm not going to take it at 35 to 1. Um but like and I I don't I don't necessarily think that either one of those teams is actually going to win the Super Bowl but it wouldn't shock me if either one of those teams made it to the Super Bowl or even the, the championship game. I think the way the 49ers are playing right now and on top of that just the trust in like Shanahan's been there and they've, um, they've been to the Super Bowl with this they've been there Garoppolo's been there. I the hard thing is, is that the version of this defense isn't as good as that defense that year. Yeah. Uh, Garoppolo's not having as good of a year as it was that year. It's not that far off, but it's not as good. The rushing attack isn't quite as good. Like, outside of just George Kittle, <laughs> like, offensively or even defensively, for that matter, they're not I mean, Debo really Samuel's a, a friggin' freak. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. So, I love, he might be my favorite player in the NFL right now. 
Yeah, I can see. I mean, Michael, Michael, take, Michael I, Parsons. Michael Parsons is the most fun to watch. Dallas is that one team that I just think it'd be fun to lay a little bit on them because they arguably have one of the best, if not the best, defensive player in the league. Uh, they're so uber talented on offense. You just figure like if they got hot, and you know, Dak hadn't played very well the last month though. I know, though. That's the biggest reservation. And, and I don't. I, I just cannot trust Mike McCarthy in the postseason. He will do something. He will do well, something. At least he's won a Super Bowl, though. Like, he he won. I get it. He was with Rodgers. He's won one. You know what the weird thing is to me, by the way, is, and I know Dak statistically has had, like, better stretches than Baker Mayfield, but, like, Dak's got that second contract, and, like, Baker's trying to get that next contract, and I feel like the questions people are asking about Baker are like the same as Dak. And and honestly, watching them both, like, I feel like, I don't know, Baker's probably just as good. I mean, as far as like from passing from the pocket, just as good. He doesn't have the same element to run and keep the football and all that. But, I mean, I, I feel like if you put Baker on that team, are they really in any different position? That's an interesting take that I think we'll probably get some pushback. I am a Baker fan, so I would not. And ba- look, Baker's just not healthy. And Baker's also no, he's like, banged up. That, yeah. That's the other thing. It's like he's banged up. It's like, okay. like, But, again, I just I feel like you kind of put on the table and watch it. It's just. The media, hate, the media hate Baker, too, by the way. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing. There's a preconceived. It's the same thing with quarterbacks as it is with these characters. If the if me if the if I mean if the media doesn't stumble, you get excuses made for you. And when you strive, it's puff pieces everywhere. I mean, that's just how it works, right? I mean, like right. even you know, people were trying to get Tom Brady for twenty five years. You know, it's good. Like he was lovable for a while, and then he became evil Tom Brady, and now I guess he's lovable again. Or I, but you know, with Lamar Jackson, Lamar stumble. It's like Lamar throws a pick, and it's like immediate text from Prisco. Oh, Lamar, man. It's like, Man, like I don't, te- I don't text you every time Josh Allen screws up. You know, well, maybe right. I do, but yeah. Well, first off, I mean, again, it, to your point, I think head coaches and quarterbacks are treated very similar. Yeah. Um, I just think the greater issue I have with the media in general, with all of that, is is your allowing their personal. The media, well, I'm just saying, <laughs> allowing their personal feelings and emotions to then dictate how they do their job. Yep. Because that's one thing that you know I remember being as a player. You may not respect the guy for something he's done in the past or how he conducts himself off, whatever the case may be, right? But you still have to go out there and you have to fight for that person. You have to fight for your team. You have to do all that. And like a lot of, a lot of times I took pride in that and how you go went about preparing, even though maybe you didn't have a chance of making the playoffs or even though maybe you didn't necessarily always love the people that you were playing with, but you know, you prepared your butt off, you worked hard, you went out to execute and do your job despite of all that. And that's what I don't like about what the media has gotten now is you get this, this, this era that we're in right now, where it's just, you're allowed to basically like voice whatever your personal opinions are about a person and put that kind of like knife in the second they falter. And yep. yet look in the mirror for a second and, and tell me, you know, you haven't made a mistake before. I mean, there's just, I don't know. There, there's a lot of hypocrisy. I feel like with, with how things are covered. Well, and like, there's a pretty good chance. Like, I mean, I didn't know you when you, came out of Notre Dame and were drafted. And I mean, like I probably, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I would never, you know, they would probably be deleted at this point on the internet. Cause they're that old, but like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that like you, most of the time people who are doing this don't know who they're like, don't know the people that they're writing about. And then if you actually go and you, know, you, if you, if you've met, if you've met and interviewed and sat down with somebody, you're, you're, you're going to be more inclined to write, to not write like, like mean things about them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's where, like, the whole Buffalo conversation with Jerry Sullivan 
to Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde came off as like, you know, Jerry Sullivan keeps trying to defend his point. It's like, dude, if you met with these guys every day and every week, yep. you know, at their locker in person, you're probably taking a different approach and different tone. Now you're asking questions. Like you probably have a different relationship with them. Yes. Um, so it's just like, I think COVID's played a role in that this digital age where like everyone can tweet at each other when we full well know you're not going to say the types of things you're saying through a tweet that you would to someone's face, like even on the phone to them. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. So in fact, think, if you said that, if you say the tweet about somebody and that person replied to you, you'd be like, Oh, I am. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. You know, like I, you know, you seem like, a, you know, like people, I mean, and look, I'm, I'm just, I'm sure I'm just as guilty as whoever, but like keyboard warriors are unafraid of, you know, like slinging mud even, but as soon as you, as soon, like if you, I've always found that if, if people like hate DM me or send me hate emails or angry emails, but if you reply really nicely, it, it absolutely disarms everything. Which, and this is probably, we don't need to get off on this tangent, but I mean. Yeah. Well, I, I was just say, you know, the, the reality is as soon as they come out of their mom's basement, you know, it, it, their perspective changes when they have to actually talk to people in person and, and deal with people in person. Yeah. But th- that's the hard thing. It's like, you're getting this day and age now where you get this younger generations are, are moving up through and they think like, that's okay. And it's not. Yeah. Hey, look, I saw that Nike is going to make NFT sneakers soon. So, I mean, that that's how I know I'm too old. I, I don't really understand it either. Like, why? Like, what am I going to do with that? Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, all right, let's get out. We, we don't, we, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how it took us so long to get off on NFTs and, and, uh, and keep, and we, we just did a little old man yelling at clouds. Keyboard like warriors. We did. We yeah. Did. Uh, right after fitting, we start with Pete Briscoe and with old man, old men yelling at clouds. Makes sense. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Brady. Uh, talk to you next week, man. <laughs>